welcome to another episode of Two Weird Didn't Watch, the show where we make fun of movies that we haven't seen based on nothing but their weird descriptions. I'm Brantley. And I'm Albert. Brantley's reading again for us this week. Brantley, what do you got? First up, we have Fire in the Sky. Is this the sequel to Smoke on the Water? No. Smoke on the Water. Smoke doesn't go down, it goes I'm up. I'm far from the sky. In 1975, a group of five men are driving home after working in a forest when they see a mysterious light. I've heard of this movie. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. It's very famous. Yeah. Are we doing a famous movie, Brantley? We are doing a somewhat famous movie. Okay. Intrigued. The, well, wait, wait, wait. So they see a mysterious light. They're driving home from work. This is in Snowflake, Arizona. I don't have that in the description, but I do know it was that. Okay. this is based on a... True account? True account? It's it's based on something Debatably somebody true. actually said. Yes. Whether or not it's it actually happened. based on happened. an account that may or may not be true. Because Brantley doesn't want to believe in magic. And yes. UFOs. Magic UFOs. That's what this movie is going to be about, guys. Look, I would love aliens with magic. That'd be great. It's kind of OP, though, don't you think? They're like, we've got guns and magic. Waha! I mean, their technology could be based on utilizing magic. You know, Magitech. Fair enough. Like, here's my gun. It shoots fire. His shoots ice. His shoots dragons. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like tiny dragons because it's like a small gun. Doesn't really do a lot, but it's like really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, I see the mysterious light. Intrigued, Travis Walton leaves the truck, only to be sucked up by a flying saucer. Which I love the phrasing there. Just also like, that would be like that would be the worst. For just like like you're just like what's that light? Whank. Uh well, that's great. <laughs> what's great is. The other four men report the strange event, but they are skeptically interrogated by Lieutenant Frank Waters. Because, you know, no. Right. Where's, where's, uh, where's Travis? Uh, aliens took him? Hmm. Sure about that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aliens. I Frank. mean, it, it's not the worst story in the world. Like, <laughs> down, the worst case scenario is nobody believes you. And then it's you just sound crazy. Yeah. But if like it works, then maybe you can write a book about it or something. Yeah, they're skeptically interrogated by Lieutenant Frank Waters, who suspects that murder is behind Walton's disappearance, which, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not what I would have jumped to. I'm like, I'm the cop in this town, and you go to, like, you know, our friend disappeared. I bet y'all killed him. What? What? <laughs> I I would have maybe, like, had some leeway for he wandered off and, like, is cheating on his wife somewhere or something. Nah, he's not like, like y'all definitely murdered him yeah, to death. He, he dead. You did. It. But when Walton reappears five days later, his story of alien abduction is met with disbelief. Cause now they're probably like the, nah, he's just running around on his wife. It's like, guys, I was, I was in space. I've seen things, mostly aliens and tiny dragons. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> They flew by like in the bullet team time scene in the Matrix. They haven't made that movie yet. When y'all see it, you're gonna be like, "It's just like Travis said when he was in the alien place with the dragons." <laughs> Actually, don't. What, what area did you say this was from? I'm giving them southern accents. 1975, and it's from Arizona. Okay, well then they probably do have some kind of southern accent in Arizona. Not quite the twang, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. The twang. Anyways, that's all we have for fire in the sky. Okay. It was this or like... Wait, so did it happen? Um, Does the movie come down on like the side of the aliens or is it like... Well, I read on another description where only like the last five minutes is spent on his experience in space. And he 
like help get the movie made so it's on his side. Oh, fair enough. Also, it's uh, more fun that way. Yeah. Like you don't want to watch like the Mothman prophecies and just see what's his face Keen like being a complete idiot. Because if you've read the book, the Mothman prophecies is based on, it's I, just like the I ramblings of a madman. <laughs> but the movie's a very, great. A very up on himself madman, by the way. Yeah. Well, you, yes, he has he has delusions of grandeur. I mean, it starts off with him talking about how he had to go tea back in the day because it wasn't cool to have a goatee, but now everybody has a beard, so he had to shave his be- goatee off. <laughs> Fashion tips from the man who discovered the Mothman. Freaking hipster. Anyways, up next we have Phoenix Incident. Okay, is this like Phoenix Forgotten, but it's like the, the even lower, yes. the, the lower budget? Yes. <laughs> okay. On March 13, 1997, a number of missing persons, in quotations, cases were reported in Phoenix, Arizona. After thousands of people witnessed an unexplained series of lights in the night sky. Based on actual events, this UFO conspiracy thriller is written and directed by gaming veteran Keith Aram, and Cro- uh, who wrote Call of Duty and Titanfall. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, with this guy, uh, <laughs> what, what are your credentials for writing this movie? I'm really good at poning some noobs in Call of Duty. I wrote one of the game, one of the best-selling games of all time. That's fair. Okay. And chronicles the U.S. military's alleged engagement with extraterrestrial forces on the famous night of the Phoenix Lights. I feel like reports of gunfire would have come up. Well, because like the aliens probably quiet, but our planes are kind of loud. Like they report the sounds of the jets, but they were like no shooting. Well, maybe they weren't shooting guns at them, Brantley. Maybe they had super high-tech alien weaponry from the Roswell cra- oh. crash that they're using on the UFOs. Because bullets aren't going to work against aliens, Brantley. Everybody oh. knows that. Silly me. You ever think about the Roswell cra- crash and be like, wait, wait a minute, why did they crash? Like, did they not develop navigational computers at this point? Are they just, like, really bad flyers? Is this guy just, like, out for a joyride in his UFO and, like, doesn't actually know how to fly that well? I mean... It raises so many questions. As smart, quote, as we are, we still screw up a lot because we are fallible creatures. And even if they're super advanced, I imagine they're also fallible creatures. And so anything from, like, one of the... Something from the asteroid, bites, ping, asteroid belt pinging a ship or, like, a solar storm or something. I don't know. Okay. Space weather. Using whistleblower testimony, recovered military footage, and eyewitness accounts... This shocking film explores the events surrounding what has rapidly become known as one of the largest military cover-ups in U.S. history. All of that last sentence just means it's found footage, right? Basically. So they really did just rip off Phoenix Forgotten. You know, for the guy who wrote Call of Duty and what was the other movie or game? Uh, Titanfall. Yeah. Well, first of all, there's a sto- there's writing in Titanfall. There is a basic premise and there is a basic storyline and there are di- is dialogue. So yes, there is writing. Well, I'm just. They were like, "Hey, there's robots. Make stuff up. Like, I record I, your lines. Go. You can go and watch Pacific Rim and be like, well, it's basically like robots versus robots.' But there's like a story, or robots versus aliens. I I never got the impression that there was like a real plot to Titanfall. I thought it was mostly just a multiplayer game that you could maybe play a camp campaign where you just sort of visited all the maps, and that was it. Is, am I wrong in that assumption? I have not played it. I don't have an Xbox One. I thought, I thought it was for the Xbox 360 back in the day, but maybe I'm wrong. No, it was a one-launch title. It might have been reverse ported. Anyways, up next we have the Riddlesham UFO Incident, 
aka Hangar 10. Hangar 10 is better. Hangar 10 is a better title. That's what it's called in America. <laughs> Who? I guess, it, where is this from? Where is the Rendlesham? UK. Okay, maybe... It's Rendlesham. Where do you think it's from? I, I was going to guess UK, <laughs> uh, honestly. But I was going to say maybe that that works better over there. It might. I think this is a relatively well-known... Inf- inf- yeah, it's his infamous incident, so you know it's well-known over there. 33 years after the infamous Rendlesham Forest UFO incident, three metal detector enthusiasts hunting for Saxon gold in the same region capture incredible footage of a U- of UFOs while filming their expedition. Because I casually film my hobbit or ha- hobbies. <laughs> yeah, I casually film my hobbit too. Yeah, he does such amazing tricks. How you doing, Frodo? I mean, to be fair, like that is GoPro's entire pitch is like, what you do. You need to film it. Yeah, but what they're doing is metal detecting for Saxon Gold. I mean, if they find something cool, I guess. But for the most part... Do you th- is this whole movie, like, shot, like, through the, the front of a metal detector with a GoPro? It's just the POV. It's like the chair scene from Shin Godzilla, but the whole movie. I'm trying to remember the chair scene from There's a Shin shot of the movie where it's from the chair's POV. They just, like, set the camera in the chair and just swivel it around. Okay. As night falls, and with their navigation equipment failing, they find themselves facing a terrifying encounter with an unforgiving alien princess. So it's the Blair Witch with aliens. So they're and also dudes who are out here metal detecting and not making a documentary about the thing that's going after them. It's really hard for me to not think of the Netflix, uh, and it's probably not originally on Netflix, but it's a Netflix original in the U.S., uh, original called Detectorists, where it's just about these guys who are wandering around in fields with metal detectors trying to find gold and like the petty squabbles that they have with other people who use metal detectors and also some of their home lives and stuff fair enough it's kind of funny (laughs) like it's funny in that way where you don't usually laugh at it but you're like "Eh, yeah this is sort of quirky it's not my style apparently fair enough i like to laugh out loud (laughs) but uh I can't stop thinking about these guys who are just like, well, I've got my metal detector. They're sort of probably all middle-aged dudes, you know, like I imagine they're in their like mid thirties at the youngest. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's not to disparage the idea, but it just seems like the kind of hobby that you have, like once you're about 40 or older and sort of you've settled down and don't have a lot else to go in life. This movie's from 2014. I don't see like 20 year olds out there doing that. If, if it's like extreme detectoring, oh man, did you see that move I just did? Oh, I covered that field in like 20% more efficiently than I did last week. <laughs> what? Because Dave, you're going to do like speed and they're doing a terrible job. Wait, so I, I'm, I've am i lost track of the movie here. They, they're, they're Witch in the UK with aliens. They, they, there was a UFO sighting. These guys had nothing to do with it. This is 33 years after this. Just they're in the same area looking for sex and gold with melted. It'd be like if I went out on the Gulf Breeze Bridge and I had an encounter, and they're like included the previous. I mean, this is, but it's like an infamous. It'd be like you, like panning for gold out in Roswell, and be like, oh, aliens! Look at that. The Roswell re-incident or something. <laughs> Roswell Reloaded. They finally get around to answering his backup, his uh, distress signal. Yeah. Look, space is big. It's so far. And it keeps moving. Also, we didn't like him that much. He was kind of a loser. Venom called back. I, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I like that movie. <laughs> so, so that was the best moment of that movie, in my opinion. You're a loser. I am kind of a loser in my town. Town. <laughs> Whatever. I'm from our equivalent of Barcelona, but I don't have a shop. <laughs> Anyways, 
It's more like he's from like their equivalent of of Milton. I don't know. He was put on the ship for the for the, for the mission. Let's just get rid of him. This is not about Venom. We're not talking about Venom. We're talking yep. about aliens, though. Okay. Up next, and possibly finally, we have extraterrestrial. Like E.T. the extraterrestrial? No, I have seen no, that one. No, no. Like that's what the initials stand for, which I did not pick up on as a kid. But <laughs> it's called E.T. the extraterrestrial. Like they, in case you didn't pick up on the E.T., they do include the rest. Like what it means, I think, under the E and the T. Yes, but like I was five. Okay. So I thought they were just his initials, and he was also from space. My dad didn't let us watch E.T. because he was creeped out by the fact that everybody thought that the 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 alien was cute, and he was like, "That thing's ugly." Yeah. The fact that people think it's cute. Probably something demonic going on. Oh, okay. We're not watching that. This is before the devil's you... causing this, son. <laughs> that was before Harry Potter came along and gave him a bigger target this year. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> From the Vicious Brothers, the creators of Grave Encounters. Okay. Yeah, yeah, on board now. Comes a different. Is kind their of... real last name Vicious or? I don't know. Because if you, I, I... this the sentence is great. Hang on. All right. All right. All right. From the Vicious Brothers, the creators of Grave Encounters, comes a different kind of account of encounter, one of extraterrestrial origin. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to sell me this real hard guy, and I appreciate it, but... Mm. I, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea of somebody actually, like, trying to put together, like, a group name, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, it, you know, they go through a bunch of stuff, and the family, like, the one they settle on is the Vicious Brothers. Like, was that the best that they had? It may actually be their names. I don't know. Okay. Well, now it's time for a little research sidebar. Okay. They're not even brothers. <laughs> oh, so like Colin Minahan and Stuart Ortiz. They're like the Mario brothers. No, those are brothers. Have you seen the Mario movie, sir? Yeah, I have actually um, several times. Yeah, Luigi is adopted. Wait, no, that's not canon to the games. <laughs> Get out of here. That's my canon. Koopa's a T-Rex. Yoshi's a little tiny raptor who's utterly pointless in the movie, and Toad is just a giant fungus man. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> I, I and Ortiz and Minahan. What, what are they up to? Still reeling from her parents' divorce, April is dragged back to the vacation cabin she spent fond summers at as a child. Com- With a the com- Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Accompanied by a group of friends. <laughs> and they deal with aliens a lot in that series. <laughs> Her trip down memory lane takes a dramatic and terrifying turn when a fireball descends from the sky and explodes in the nearby woods. It's Shredder. He's I would back call for that revenge. An, I would call that an awesome turn. Um, It depends. Like, is it the dry season? Because that could set off a, like a forest fire. That's fair. They never have. That would be an awesome opening to like a UFO movie if like. There's a massive, like, forest fire, right? It, just like, does... it comes down and just smacks and it just like, everything's on fire. Right. And maybe you don't even know about the impact at first. You, like, you see the forest fire and then you're getting the... Because they do an extensive investigation into, like, where those things started. Mm-hmm. And they can track it back pretty clearly. And so, like, the first quarter of the movie is, like, the fire investigator tracking down where this fire started. And then when he gets to the middle of this charred forest, there's, like, something there. There's, like, a pod... Like a charred metal pod there. Yes. And then it opens him and then the alien like pursues him through the woods like Slenderman. Um, maybe. Maybe not. Like maybe it's already escaped. Oh. Maybe some of the aliens got burned up, like by the fire. Maybe they're not cool with fire. Yeah. 
I don't know. There's a lot of ways you could go with it. I, I'm just fleshing out a pitch here. You okay. guys are welcome to use it if you want <laughs> in your stories. Led by her boyfriend, played by Freddie Stroma, the group venture out toward the crash site and discover the remnants of a ship from another planet, along with footprints that suggest its alien occupants are still alive. Honestly, yes. I would have been more awesome. It would have been yeah, more awesome yes. if it was a ship from our planet, just like a battleship, just crashed in the forest. <laughs> Man, what happened? Sure was getting a really good aim nowadays. That thing went up into orbit and came back down. It was Mega Shark. <laughs> he hit it with its his tail. Yeah, like three days ago, it's been. Like that one went over Australia. Yeah. The college friends soon find themselves caught in the middle of so- of something bigger and more terrifying than anything they could ever imagine. But not bigger and more terrifying than the screenwriter of the movie could no, imagine. No, no, no. He's smarter than college kids. Yeah. That's kind of a... I, di- I don't like that where they're just like, you can't imagine how yeah. horrifying it would be. Like, what is it? It's like they heard that it was the, the, like, no- the nothing scarier trope and then it's like, all right, the movie writes itself. Well, I'm assuming that the yeah that the movie actually shows some aliens at some point, but for them to, the description just be like, well, they got to deal with some stuff. Oh well, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, does the military show up? Is it like a weird bear alien, but with like multiple arms? I want bear aliens now, but they're like extra tall. So kind of like the things from Dreamcatcher. I I cannot remember the Dreamcatcher movie to save my life, apparently. Like big, spiky, slug, bear-sized things that can explode into ooze and go into people? That I do remember. Y'all big and toothy. I forgot how cool the uh, aliens looked in Dreamcatcher because of how terrible that movie was. I wouldn't say it was terrible. It was not as good as the book, which was not, like, the best work that Stephen King ever did. The, The worst part was... There's a conceit in the book that one of the guys like has developed an internal space that he can visit in his memory. Mm-hmm. It's called a mind palace. Yep, it's, it's a real movie. thing. But like the way they introduce it is like one of the characters says to the other character, "Hey Georgie, you remember your mind palace thing that you have, right?" <laughs> it's one they... of the worst bits of exposition I've ever heard. I don't think they do that in the movie. It's I can't remember how it comes up, but they're just like they're talking about. It. I can't remember how they get on the subject. No, just, it is that's Is I, that how they do it in the movie? Cuz in the book it's just like because it's a book, you can just say to the reader so-and-so has a mind palace, okay. and he goes into it. In the movie, if you just show this guy, like, suddenly inside of his mind, you can do it, right? But it takes a little bit of creativity, and they didn't want to do that, so they just said, we're just going to have the characters explain what this is to each other, even though they obviously already know. I mean, they hadn't seen each other in a while. They only hang out once a year. Also, I like that that arrow's pointing at his giant eyebrows. <laughs> what was with Morgan Freeman's eyebrows in that movie? <laughs> they were out of control. Crave Online asks, is Dreamcatcher the worst movie ever? No. no. You guys Not need to watch more movies. <laughs> is it the worst movie ever? Get out of here. <sighs> is that I, it for our alien thing? That is all that I have. That's what? all the movies I have with me. Well, you're about to say something. What were you going to say? I don't remember. I interrupted you. Oh, no. It's not important. Okay. I do remember liking in the book, I think they had animals that had been infected. Yeah, there's like weird animals that are like bleeding on round and stuff like that in the movie, but they don't really go into it because this movie wants to cram an entire Stephen King movie into like an hour and a half. He really belabors, not belabors the point, but you know, Stephen King just sort of lets it all hang out. Mm-hmm. So he'll have, you know, a guy in a tree stand looking at a deer that's kind of weird for like a whole chapter. Yeah. 
And then they're like, well, we just have that happen for like about 30 seconds. That's cool, right? I mean, yeah, I mean. Probably shouldn't have read the book first. The book is better. like a whole five minute scene of a dude just watching this weird deer. Doesn't even say anything. He's just like confused faces of weird looking deer. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like this, don't forget to tell your friends about it. Uh, we will be back next week with episode 100. Woo. We hope. We don't know what we're going to do yet. We're going to figure it out in the next three weeks that we have to record episode 100. We hope again. Oh, fingers crossed. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>